Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug? Ignored a leaky faucet? Pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects. But there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack, it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone and in just a few steps, you can search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next, because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 908. Uh, let's go to the phones <laughs> for, you know, why I say let's go to the phones, like it's a telethon. So what people don't understand is that when I, when Katie reads, you know, if you, if you email events at Nerdist.com, when Katie reads the Nerdist community corkboard, she's reading it off of her phone. I am. So this is still an accurate thing it's to say true. of like, let's go to the phones. Katie is literally going to her phone. First, I want to say, I'm going to be performing at the American Comedy Company in San Diego at the end of October and the beginning of November, I think the 8th, 9th, and 10th, I'm going to be at Caroline's as part of uh, um, New York, the New York Comedy Festival. So go to get tickets to those things, you guys. And I'll see you at Comic-Con this weekend in New York. I'm going to be doing the Walking Dead panel, as you may have guessed. <laughs> Katie, to the phones! Uh, user Tevez17 on Reddit says, My wife is a primary school teacher in Melbourne, Australia. She is extremely passionate about creating new, new lessons and resources with a strong focus on hands-on activities to allow her students to be physically engaged with their learning. She recently started posting her work to TeachersPayTeachers.com, where she has been getting great feedback. I believe her work would be extremely helpful and inspirational for fellow teachers, so he wanted to share it with, uh, with us in case there's any teachers that listen to the podcast. So you can go to TeachersPayTeachers.com teachers.com and look up Mrs. Witty's World and that's W-H-I-T-T-Y-S and then user Mark Watton says I know this sounds like way too much of a dad thing to do but my daughter is a singer songwriter who's been working hard on her first EP and has released the first two songs on Bandcamp to help raise money to finish the album if anyone in the community would like to check out her Bandcamp and maybe buy a tune for 99 cents it would make her really happy and you can look her up at alienanora.bandcamp.com and that's I-L-L-I-A-N-N-A n-o-r-a dot bandcamp dot com and I just think that's so sweet that the dad wrote in that's really sweet this episode today brought to you by Audible Uh, Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks original audio shows news comedies and more from the leading publishers broadcasters entertainers business information providers so unlike a streaming or a rental service you actually own your books so you can access them anytime, anywhere, from almost any device, including your iPhone, iPad, Android, Amazon Fire, tablets, Windows Phone, and it'll pick up wherever you left off. That's so nice. You across any platform. Space. Yeah. Audible makes traffic an escape. You know, this is what I do. I listen to, I listen to audio, Audible books and traffic. Yeah. Because there's more construction in L.A. than I feel like ever. 
because we're trying to build this cockamamie subway that yep. someday will be done. And uh, so there's a lot of traffic. And so I listen to, instead of the same playlist over and over again, I listen to audiobooks and try to fill my brain with fun new things. Access an unbeatable selection of bestsellers, mysteries, thrillers, and motivations. Transform your commute. Ride with Audible. Um, I think my I'm, I know my book's on Audible. Yeah. Can I just plug my own book? I read sure. my own book. You know what? Let's plug Whitney's book. Uh, Whitney Cummings is our guest today. Her book is I'm Fine and Other Lies. Get her book on Audible. She read it. I think it's great when comics uh, put their books on Audible because you can hear you can hear them read their own stuff. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at audible.com slash nerdist. Uh, that's audible.com slash nerdist for a free audiobook. Uh, Audible is commemorating 20 years of storytelling, all made possible by you, the listeners. To celebrate, they're turning over the microphone, inviting you to enter their contest and tell us why you love to listen to Audible for a chance to win one of 20 brand new Volvo SUVs. Go to audible.com slash audible20 to share your Audible story. Uh, So, as I said, this episode, Whitney Cummings, a dear, dear, dear friend of mine whom I adore. Uh, I just, I can't say enough wonderful things about her. She's the fucking coolest. And I'm so happy and lucky that we're friends. We've been friends for years. I always loved having her on at midnight. She was amazing every time she came on. Because we just, we're, we're just such good friends that it just, we just had a great shorthand when she was on the show. And this, this hour-ish of podcasting <laughs> was so much fun. And I'm so proud of her, all the work she's doing. She's show running Roseanne right now. She's... Uh, written this book, I'm Fine and Other Lies, which is available wherever books are sold. And uh, and she's here on the Nerdist Podcast. So here's Nerdist Podcast number 908 with Whitney Cummings. Katie, roll it! Now entering Nerdist.com Got a Dizzle line. Oh, I, in my purse. Yeah. I no. I have. Is it in right now? I took no, it out. I, didn't, I took it out so I could talk so, on the same, podcast. Because I get a lisp. I've only. Uh, this is my second one. I just did the first. Like you know. Oh wow! You're only in your second set. Days. Whoa! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's big. Yeah. Is it cutting the inside of your mouth? It was the first couple days, and then take a nail file to it. Good idea. And just polish down the sharp areas. And then the, uh, the like the first morning I took it off, it felt like tiny henchmen. <laughs> Beat the shit out of every tooth in my This head. is actually really breaking my heart. I thought the whole point of getting married was you didn't have to keep <laughs> improving yourself. Like, I I, why go. now? Well, you know. <laughs> you got her. I, <laughs> you, you have it in writing. You know, it's what, what I, you know, I, I always have this sort of like long term, like, you know, I started, I started working out when I was in my early 30s because I was like, you know, I don't want to hit 50 and then be like, I better turn this fucking <laughs> Ship around. Ship around, but the ship's <laughs> Titanic, already, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's already upside down. Yeah. And so, you know, like my top teeth are straight. My bottom teeth are a little crooked. You know what? Not I have bad. to be honest. I like it. No, but. I like it. It's I'm, charming. I'm, I'm worried. You're like an Englishman. Oh, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> but I'm worried that in like 10 years, it'll just look like, you know, Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. It's like just, just going to be like all this weird. It's going to look like a graveyard. So I just, I thought, you know, it's 
10 months, Let me get ahead 11 of months. I have this one tooth in the front that I'm, everyone's going to think I'm neurotic and have body dysmorphia, which I do. Uh, <laughs> just just want to get ahead yeah, yeah. Ahead. And you're right. <laughs> However, this is under... And I have this one tooth that turns out, and basically my guy was like, look, it's it's right now, it's kind of charming. In like 15 years, it's gonna you're going to look like a witch. So <laughs> you got to get ahead of it. That was the whole thing. Hey, you know, that's... Uh, you know, that's... Uh, that's very uh, witchist. I mean, it's like <laughs> look, witches look like you and me. Look, you know? they Why really do. They have, do. To have fucked up teeth. Yeah, I, I can't, it's they all look the same. But you know what's interesting is that you because I, I um, ran into a friend at a wedding yesterday and I was showing him like, oh yeah, I got the thing. He goes, I was thinking about doing it. He goes, because my teeth are all fucked up. His teeth look perfect. Perfect. And he goes, yeah, but when you look at them, you know, you can see that the top two don't line up perfectly with the bottom two. And I, I was staring, <laughs> and I finally was like, I mean, I guess it's over a little bit. And this was this guy's like, this is the bane of his existence is his teeth, teeth. don't. Per- but no one no. would notice it, and it's so comforting because you go yep. all the stuff that you obsess over about yourself and you zero in on when you see the mirror. No one else sees that stuff. You know what they say? They say if you were to see yourself out in public, you wouldn't recognize yourself. Probably not. That's how dysmorphic we all are about right. our faces. Because we only see, we don't magnify see the whole flaws. picture. We see magnified flaws and we kind of see Is that, he on television? Just curious. Um, he's a comic. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. like, I also think it's not particularly healthy to see a reflection of yourself constantly being on television. <laughs> I don't think we're designed to see our image blown up on high def. Well, yeah. All the time. Yeah. It exacerbates, I think, our neuroses. And I have this theory that I'm working on. Absolutely no scientific proof. No, listen. <laughs> whatsoever. No one needs science That there, We are not designed to look in mirrors. There are no mirrors in nature. That's true. Ice is not a mirror. True, <laughs> it does count. Ponds a, don't not, count. Not a brook? What about Narcissus? Bro- <laughs> yes, exactly. The, a, a brook that is perfectly placid, maybe, but you still have a little bit of a Photoshop situation in a pond. You know, I guess if we were to exist without mirrors in nature, we'd just be picking mites off each other's faces Constantly. and eating them. Yes. And we wouldn't have to have plastic we'd surgery. We'd groom each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we'd all have much higher self-esteem. This whole constantly taking selfies and posting and mirrors and stuff cannot be healthy. You know, I had never actually thought about it before, but I, I would about. love, and I guess thanks to the internet, I will do this as soon as the podcast is done, but I would love to really explore the evolution of the mirror yeah. and, and, and when, it, when it really came in, you know, in, our, in the history of Homo sapiens sapiens, when it came into, you know, into being and how it wo- wove into our culture and affected our evolution. And it's fascinating because I, I wonder if, because, you know, basically I'm obsessed with like neurology stuff and we are designed to find flaws because our brain obviously has not evolved to catch up with modern technology and like boy we're really we're really doing that we're really one well. going, I just mean like Purell and dial soap and all this stuff so it used to be if you had a zit or something it was like that could be a, a, a infection that could be something right. fatal whereas now it's like you put some neosporin on and it's good so it's like we are kind of designed to magnify and obsess over our flaws well that's all capitalism too that's all the commercial you know it's like right. oh we're I gonna need all these products I'm a co- this company is gonna tell you what your problem is and then give you the solution yeah. for it at the same time yeah I mean it's basically, you know, it's 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 commercializing that sort of that in, it need to have sex that we have is like, oh, you better be right. perfect. Improve. What does that mean? I don't know what you're talking about. I have <laughs> I feel really good about myself. <laughs> I don't spend money to buy self esteem. I don't know. What well, you're wait talking a minute, because let's see, because your book. Hmm. Uh, speaking of things that uh, you need to buy. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine in other lies. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So you, you're sure you're okay? <laughs> I'm not. Because it says in the title. <laughs> I'm hanging by a thread. <laughs> no, I mean, you. I've known you for a long time. Long time. Really long time. Yeah. 
And I think something happened to me. You have the unique privilege of, of knowing me um, back back when I was a, a sleepwalking zombie. And something happened to me when I was like 28 where I was like, okay, I have this premonition that being crazy is not cute in your 30s. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like I can get away with this in my 20s. I'm like quirky. I'm wacky. I'm like the silly girl who's like such a mess. Like guys love it. Everyone wants to rescue me. Um, <laughs> but in your 30s, it's just not a good look. Oh, that's so funny. So then I was like, okay, like let me get ahead of this. Um, there's a lot of things out of my control. Like I um, only eat raisins for six months at a time. Doctors have been telling us for I years can... <laughs> to go on the raisin-only diet. I mean, I'm tired of... Why do I have so many cavities? Why do I go to the gym for four hours at a time? Jeff Goldblum next to me. That's another story. Can I please just, I just picture you waking up every morning and just hearing the, just in the back of your head, just being summoned by the California raisins and hearing, I heard it through the grapevine every morning as your alarm clock. You guys don't see me, but I am doing the dance right now. Um, Do we have to buy that song in order to sing it? Okay. it's okay. And I just was like, I had all these social anxiety stuff and I had all the, I was in really bad relationships that I thought were great ideas. I was like getting guys sober, teaching guys how to read. I mean, it was just like, it was like thinking it was true love. It was not, I'm like in downtown learning Spanish so I can get drugs from drug dealers. Like it was just not a good look. Uh, and at least I, you learned another language. At least exactly. I know, how, know how to buy. I know how to Spanish. say stop giving him cocaine <laughs> in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, Get the adrenaline <laughs> shot in Spanish. <laughs> and, no, I learned how to say, "Can I hit your PayPal?" <laughs> in Spanish and so I was just like running on adrenaline I was always sick I was just like I was just not in good shape I didn't have healthy friendships um and uh, so I, I, I was diagnosed with something called codependence. I'm clinically codependent, which is like when you grow up in a dysfunctional home, which I think we all probably have on some level. I don't want to pretend that I'm so different and such a victim, but um, I uh, had this condition. And, and essentially, the kind of clinical definition is the inability to tolerate other people's discomfort. And you usually confuse love and pity. Sure. You know, so instead of like having a relationship with like that you and like Lydia have where two equals decide right. to consensually be together, I would like um pick up people off the street and I, I was like a I was like a talent agent from the twenties. I would sure. see potential in someone and I'd be like, <laughs> I'm gonna make you a star and I would take in these sort of um uh, messes and it gave me purpose and it gave me adrenaline and it recreated my childhood circumstances and I was uh like I need to do something about this, so I went into uh, therapy about it and because and, here's what I thought I was like oh I'll just like read some inspirational quotes that'll do it uh, don't ask for a light load ask for a strong back <laughs> read some Kathy cartoons yeah you know some Marilyn Monroe memes <laughs> <laughs> the hang in there about, poster like, with the kitty on the clothesline yeah totally <laughs> every morning like that'll do it um, and it didn't it doesn't change your neurology so I uh, sort of went into this crazy uh, 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 re- mental revamp and um, so I kind of wanted to write the book that I wish had been available to me back then. I realized I had a lot of shame. I had a lot of eating stuff. I had a lot of body stuff. 
And uh, I didn't know how to be vulnerable. I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't know I was allowed to have flaws. You know, we're comedians. We sort of master the art of like pretending everything's fine and um, laughing things off. And I was in a lot of pain. Sure. Well, you know? I mean, it's, you know, the comedy is, I think, mainly a coping mechanism. What? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> what? I'm now saying, you tell me. I'm yeah. It's a yeah, defense. Do you ever worry that... Uh, do you ever, this is a weird question, but do you ever worry that you know too much? Like, that you have too much – like, my my doctor, my, my, our internist, I always say to my wife because it was her doctor first and then I went to see him. And he's great, but he gives you a lot of information. I'm like, I don't know if it's healthy to know – because I know too much, then maybe I'm going to – self-fulfilling prophecy or – I don't know. Well, then the cortisol that I produce stressing out about the thing you just told me that I probably don't Even the have. fact that you just said cortisol. Yeah. <laughs> Is raising your cortisol levels, which we essentially because what I learned this I think was helpful to me. Both of my parents had strokes within like two years of each other, and I had to learn a lot about neurology very fast. I was their power of attorney, and doctors were basically like, "So, do you want us to do the MRI on the the frontal lobe or on the hippocampus?" And I was just like, "I'm 28. Yeah. I'm a 28 year old comedian. Yeah. Uh, please don't ask me questions about <laughs> how, whether something's going to live or die." And so I had to learn all this stuff about neurology. And I learned about this thing called epigenetic imprinting, which is essentially that the neurochemicals that your mother produces when you're in utero are the chemicals that you are born addicted to, the same way if a a mother did crack. You know, a crack baby is born addicted to crack. You have to give them crack and wean them off it, right? And so if you um, have a lot of adrenaline and cortisol while you're in utero, you're born addicted to those things and you spend your life trying to, like, recreate that equilibrium, right? So if your mother was very stressed out and had a lot of adrenaline, you're constantly, like, you know, like a magnet – moving towards chaotic situations, creating chaos if there is none. And that's kind of what I feel like I was doing. I was constantly in chaos, yet complaining that I was in chaos and wanted to get out of it, but I I just didn't know how. Right. I had to lower my tolerance for adrenaline and cortisol. Yeah, well, that's really interesting because you, you, um, you, you really do seek out, like you really kind of populate your life with whatever is comfortable, and it doesn't matter what it is. Yep. I mean, it can be because especially in your twenties, you know. For me, when I as I start to get you get older, I realized that um, that uh, that drama wasn't passion, and and it would sort of alludes to what you were saying about great in point. Your 20s. I used to conflate passion with um, high highs, low lows, yes. up and down. I thought that's what was a relationship was supposed to be like. Yeah. Oh, this is so hot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like the, the butterflies in my stomach. Like, no. You know what's really he's hot an now? Alcoholic. What's really hot now is like. We're in bed by nine. <laughs> I know, we, the best. Uh, yeah, the I, best. I, I know you're gonna be super. I, that we're, you know, you're gonna be super stable tomorrow. I'm yeah. gonna feel okay tomorrow. That's super hot. The best. Some warm magnesium. <laughs> let's, you know, let's take our so, fish oil. Sleepy time tea. <laughs> the best. <laughs> Fucking fish oil. I just took you. Oh, yeah. God. Where's my Invisalign, honey? Boy, I, I get. Mean, listen, I may get an erection when I get fish burps from. <laughs> Oh, God. Omega three. To me, that is like most people's Coachella. Like just in bed, watching Sherlock, hand cream. Well, yeah. Press white strips. You're right. It's not. I mean, it it is. And you know, like when I when I talk to people who are are, are decide to get sober, like you know, when you're in your 20s, it seems fun to be exactly what you said. But you know, picture it. Drinking all the time in your 30s and then your 40s and then your 50s. Like it just – there's a there's a, a, a sad, like a sadness well, it's uh, also, scale. Well, at a certain point you're just pickling yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you're a pickled human. Absolutely. And – but I mean I think the hardest part of getting what – you know, my journey was getting like emotionally sober because what we call it is the internal drug cabinet. Of because course. Because adrenaline turns into dopamine, which is the same 
Boy, emotionally sober is such a great way to You can to be sober that. and not emotionally sober. You can not drink or not use whatever your drug of choice is. So I talk in the book a lot about um, I was essentially diagnosed with love addiction. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what that even is. Uh, I thought addiction was substances only. But it's the same neurochemicals, you know, right. that you're getting from a person or a dramatic situation as right. you would from a uh, bottle. So it was just this insane thing where is, is, is I, I agree with you that I don't want to know too much information, but like enough to sort of have – um, uh, an understanding of... But but isn't that... Because it's a weird thing to say because you think, oh, well, more information is better. But I think... And at the core of it, I think all... Uh, you know, anyone with addiction, at the, at the core of it, there's a there's a base level of... Um, it's obsession and control and, yep. and, and so you yep. can obsess about anything. Yep. And so, you know, if you start getting obsessed with like, I need to know the minutia of every chemical. That's control. Are, are yeah. you create? You know, like, are you sort of creating? How, how do you know between what you're diagnosing and then what you're manifesting and creating? A hundred percent. And I think for me, it's like that's why it's like I'm in. Well, whatever. I have a just a compendium of of books and healers getting me through each day. Uh, but <laughs> you know, I think for me, it's like I had this sort of woman come over because I did a lot of damage to my body, and and I'm cr- trying to kind of like you know. Uh, get out of the woods on that. And so she basically comes in and she tells you all the things in your house that are killing you. Uh, oh, no. This is like the it's, news. It's a, it's a nightmare, yeah. Is your drinking water killing your new baby? <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell you after the commercial. And you're like, God damn it. Fuck. I don't even have a baby and I want to know the answer. It's, it's dying. <laughs> it's dead. God it's damn dying. it. My, my fake baby's dead. Great. Fucking great. It's going to kill your future baby Thanks, that no water. man wants to sire. <laughs> Sire. <laughs> that was very formal. Yeah, the like, news. It's in your house. I'm just feeling so regal. So what did this woman say? <laughs> oh, yeah. So basically she comes in and she, like, well, it's really funny because she, like, opens your cabinets and she's just like, like, she gasps at all your stuff. Don't do <laughs> like, that. Like, it's just like, don't Just forget. say, like, what it's I should have olive oil. It's, it's like, because yeah. olive oil, it's carcinogenic. If you cook it too hot, oh, it's just like, God sake. damn it. It's like avocados are fattening. It's like, kill yourself. So <laughs> um, she basically was going through and, like, you know, soy milk is bad. I thought I thought I was killing it. I went, I get soy milk, I get almond milk. And she's like, you're drinking soy milk? And I was like, yes, I am. I, I did. I, do I win something? <laughs> and I guess it has lethicin in it, which is not good for you. She vets brands as well. So she tells you which olive oil to buy because sorry, this sounds really elitist. I, I know that as I'm saying it, but I have a lot of Continue heal- Gwyneth. healing to do. <laughs> <laughs> so disconnected. Look, you guys, I don't have children. I don't have anyone that loves me. I'm just trying to get through the day. I promise you this is this is a mandatory thing. <laughs> okay? The crystals I have in my house are <laughs> not that expensive. <laughs> you can get them at any You can get them like corner any, healing shop. any home like apothecary. I yeah. can have my assistant send you the number. <laughs> you can go to any psychic eye bookshop and get any of these things. You can just you can go to a- any amethyst cave in Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It's not. The guides aren't even I, that expensive. I swear to God, this woman, she's like one hundred and fifty dollars. She comes to your house one time. It's not that big of a deal. And um, and anyway, so she's walking me through all the things that I'm not allowed to eat because sure. they're all everything that we think is good for us is terrible for us. And then finally, we get to the point where I was like, ah. I was like having a. Pan- she could tell I was like having an overwhelming panic, and she was like, "Look, here's the deal. The worst thing for you is releasing cortisol, which is stress. That's ultimately what's killing us because mm-hmm. it breaks down collagen." <clears throat> And she's like, so if you're in an airport, which we are all the time, and you can't find something to eat, uh, she was like, uh, the stress of worrying about what you're eating is way worse for you than just eating the thing that's not good for you. Got it. You know, so producing cortisol is the worst thing. So that made me feel... I mean, there's no question that stress 
does your body just can't i mean it to it, because it never the stress really just is is always running on a program in the background oh yep and and so it's sort of figuring out but but the interesting thing is we get addicted to it yeah and so we go like well i don't i don't say like i don't want to stress but then yeah. I feel like my body wants to stress. Oh, like, yeah. How do you... Well, that is my, I mean, that's my equilibrium. Like, I had to do, like, 28 days, no texting, 28 days, no... Like, I had How'd to... that go? It, not great. <laughs> uh... I mean, I really, I meant that not sarcastically, because yeah. I'm curious to know, like, what... Un... People go, just unplug. Shut up. That's for, like, only my unemployed friends say that. <laughs> no one I know with a job has ever said, just unplug. Um, I just, it's, I have bills, you know? I have healers. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> I have crystal people. Um, no, I, I mean, look, I, I really was, you know, my life was not going well. And so I was desperate to kind of do anything. I had to do 28 days, no complaining. I had to do 90 days, no contact with family. Like I really, you know, and I talk about it in the book, like what worked and what didn't and what the journey was like. But it was like when your, you know, neural pathways are like so ingrained with all the survival mechanisms and the core beliefs and um, the social construction and the conditioning, I just had to like completely reparent myself because I was, I was, I made two therapists gasp. Uh, <laughs> what is it with gasping? I don't know. It's really, I know I had, I, and, and the food lady. So I started realizing like, whoa, like this is, and I thought it was funny, you know, like I was like, hey, I'm so crazy. And my dad just did this. And my sister's going through this. And I just went through this. And everyone was like, that's not funny. That's like very sad. And like, do you need help? And I just, I didn't know how to ask for help. I thought I had to be tough and I'm fine was my motto. And, um, I thought suffering was just how life, I thought life had to be really hard and painful, but then my body started giving up on me I was like getting pneumonia my my chest started splitting open and I was getting migraines like it was it was I hit like a physical rock bottom with my health and I think it's hard especially in in our job and the the way that we do this like 24-hour news and texting and stuff like we're out till two in the morning doing stand-up and then we get up and we write all day and we're on planes every other day like I just you know I was living like a pretty unhealthy sort of lifestyle and um putting myself in really dangerous situations yeah because you don't no one you know you don't want to sit down and be still with yourself. Well, that's the thing. You were talking about obsession earlier. It's like yeah. anything to not have to feel my own feelings. It, it, it's, it's really freaky to have to calm down and be like, wait, this is it? This is just it. This is this it. Is it? This is... There's, no, but there's no up, there's no down. It's get... just kind of... Well, also this, I mean, I, I don't know if you relate to this or not. Feel free not to. <laughs> um, but I... Stand-up is like, it's very addicting. Sure. And, you know, once you sort of, I did the math on it, and I was like, oh, like, what is making me need to make strangers like me so much? Like, I mean, it's not even just like I want strangers like me. It's like every 20 seconds we're like, do you like me now? Do you like me now? What about now? Do you still like me? What about now? You kind of like me before 20 seconds ago. Right. That's not like, I mean, constantly. And I found, I had a really hard time delineating being on stage and being in life. And I found myself trying to get approval of others all day long, you know, and it was exhausting and draining. And I felt like I was being inauthentic and pretending. And I just I didn't know how to stop break that cycle because I had to do that so much as a kid. Were you ever worried that uh, or, or let me ask you this way. If you had the choice between, hey, I'm totally fine, totally well adjusted. Don't really feel like I got to do stand up anymore. Like, would you 
Do you feel like those things are mutually exclusive or do you feel like it- That's a really great point because I, I did have this thing in my head where I was like, I don't want to get healthy because I won't be funny. Right. That was a big way that I justified staying sick for a long time. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm not going to be funny and like, what am I going to talk about? And I was right. I'm, <laughs> I'm way less funny. I have to do like two weeks of press and I'm like going on talk shows. I have no stories about falling off. You know, I broke like in my throes of codependence and my rock bottoms. I like fell like I went snow. I pretended I knew how to snowboard when I did not know how to snowboard. I sure. broke my shoulder. Um, I used to always be in these really scary yet hilarious situations. And I'm going on talk shows. I'm literally like, so the other day my dog did the funniest <laughs> thing. Like I'm so boring. Conan, did you know that? Soy milk is actually oh. really bad for you. We'll be right Tonight, back. Wendy Cummings is on Conan talking about soy milk. Like, I, I, I do think that I'm less funny, or I have less funny stories. Just because, but you know, yeah, because I'm not in crazy situations anymore. And that's why I wonder sometimes, like comics who get older, and you yeah, go, oh, I don't know what it is. They don't really do stand up anymore. Yeah. I saw them, and it wasn't as great. You know. And it's like, oh, maybe they're just comfortable and happy. You what know? a like, nightmare. Maybe, maybe they just got used to themselves. Yeah, it's like, it's tricky because I'm getting my emotional needs met in healthy ways now. Yeah. And so I find myself being like 8 o'clock at night and I have to go to stand-up and I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to go. Which is probably a healthy take. Right, right, When right. you're like, I got to get on stage. <laughs> That's like a little bit. the shit out. Yeah, like, come on, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Pay me money to yell at you. I mean, it's like, it's definitely... A maladaptive behavior, but I, I, I do, I am developing a new relationship with it that's not so compulsive and needy. And I took like a year off of, of doing stand up. Oh, that's kind of, cool. Just, well, because I also felt like, I don't know, I, like I felt like I was doing like an impression of myself. And I, sometimes you outgrow what you're doing and you have to just like, you got to reset. Regroup. I, yeah, I, I, I didn't actively stop doing stand up for like a year, but I kind of did just because you're my busy, schedule was yeah. so crazy. And now I'm going to, I'm starting to tour again and it's like, oh yeah, this. Pulling all the material, the new material, and trying to figure it out. Like, I don't know if I remember how to do this. It's so weird. And then I'm kind of like, I, I know this is going to be funny, but I feel like I'm kind of pretending. Right. You know, where you're like, this is funny, ostensibly, and I know I can get laughs on it, but it's actually not true. <laughs> you know, like, I'm kind of in this place where I'm trying to only say things that are actually true, and then I actually believe, and that feel, like, different, you know? So I just have, like, a, a much slower process Listen, now. I think I'm, I'm even jealous of that. I'm looking at stuff going, yeah, I don't know. This isn't going to fucking cares about any of this. <laughs> I mean, it, if you care about it, I think they care about it, ultimately, I, I don't right? know. Did you see Seinfeld's special? No, I haven't seen it yet. I was just it's listening great. to him on Howard. And that was his set from like 30 years ago, right? Well, he – he. what's really great about it is that he uh, – it's 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 very biographical. Like I've never seen his material presented in a mm-hmm. biogra- in an autobiographical way. Yeah. And and so, you know, he talks about when he started and, and, and it's done in the club that he started in. That's amazing. So yeah, to see someone do – like comedy really should be in an intimate club setting. It really it's fun to do theaters, I, I, but it really should be in a club. The greatest. It's stand, uh, comic strip or stand up New York. It's comic strip. Comic strip. And uh, and it's great. And and he, he like the jokes actually tell the story of how he started, and so it, it really just gives all of it an interesting story and weight and stuff that you know. And he's obviously you know, the greatest living comics yeah. in the history of comedy, but yeah. but. To, to see the jokes have that kind of meaning and weight, it was really fascinating because well, he's woven so, in with all sorts of cool stuff. And that that annoys me because he's so good <laughs> that it makes me be like, I can't do any of this. You know, he raises the bar so high, but yeah, he's so surgical and precise, and everything is. You know, I was just listening to him on Howard Stern, and he was talking about how he'll spend ten minutes on a syllable. 
Yeah, but you know what? <clears throat> it's the, I think the danger is because it's very difficult to measure your progress. Yeah. And so it's very enticing to, you know, live comparatively to other, oh, I could never yeah. do that, I would never do that. But I think really the, the trick that we have to overcome is really just being the best you that you, the most specific <laughs> you that you can be. Well, I think also something that is so great about watching you perform is I feel like I've never seen <laughs> Oh, never mind. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, no! <laughs> just no, no one looking. I just I got really close and just put my face Chris on my Chris is hand. doing like his best 90s sitcom yes. poster right now. Yeah. This fall on CBS. Step by step. Cute boys. Um, so, no, it's like, you know, you, I feel like I never see the same show twice. That's true. Does that make sense? Because yes. you, you know, it's like you do. You're so interactive, and not in like a sl- like a crowd worky way. In like the, you do this like such an interactive thing. I feel like the audience gets so much out of it because they're like, I know that no one else has seen that show except me. Well, that and because I think part of that is that I would I feel weird doing the exact like top to bottom same show twice that I feel like I would just I, I so I just need to interact you have to do people. that for you yeah, I love yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to like surprise myself so that I don't go into this like rote like performance well yeah because the, the like a really masterful comic can make something they've said a million times sound like it's sound different. like it's brand new and yeah. for me I kind of need to <laughs> I need to use the audience to do that so that my energy presents the material in a new way. So because I, I just feel like, oh, I, I still haven't reached that. I don't think I've reached that point where I could do a 60-minute set exactly the same every single time. And why would you want to? Yeah, I guess like, so. Because I think for me, I was having a hard time figuring out the difference between, like, who am I doing this for? Right. <laughs> like, I, I never thought that I was really allowed to have a good time. I thought, like, I had to do be perfect and everything had to be precise. And actually... Of all the people in the world, my first special I did for Comedy Central, I don't know when this was, um, but Polly Shore called me. Yeah. The night before. <laughs> and uh, I was like, this could go either way. And he said something that was so profound, at least to me at the time, it never occurred to me. He goes, tonight at your taping, which is you're doing your first hour special taping. Right. Like, I have to do everything the, perfectly the way I practice it. I'm like practicing in front of a you know, mirror and my, my hand gestures, everything's perfect. And he was like, do one take where you do everything completely different. You inflect words ways you've never inflected before. Like, oh, just, that's interesting. Just mix everything up. Like yeah. open with a different opener, close with a different close or like something. And by some miracle, I had the gumption to do it. And it was so much better. I wasn't just trying going through the motions. Well, yeah, because there's a difference between... It's like scripted comedy and then like really that in the moment. But, you know, it's, it can be so hard to follow stuff in the moment with your written material because yeah. it's a, when it's in the moment with the audience, it's about them. Yes. And then when you, when you, take the, when you unplug that and you're yeah. like, here's what's crazy about, you know, <laughs> the bank. And then people are like, oh, unless they're bankers, you know, then all of a sudden they're like, yeah. oh, it's not really about us. How anymore. do you decide what you're going to talk about? Is like what annoys you the most, what haunts you the most? Oh, God, I don't know. I just sort of make notes in Evernote all day. Not all day, but just, oh, this kind of struck me as weird. It's it's not, you know, like I, I remember when I first, first in college, I bought, you know, stand-up comedy, the book. <laughs> what are five By things you hate? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are five things you love? You know, and it just sort of I gets you. I need to read that. Yeah, I mean, I that think it's actually great. tremendously helpful. <laughs> and uh, and so it, you know, it, when you now that we've been doing it for so long, the the trick is, well, wait, 
some things that I think I have to make funny would be funny if I just got out of the way and just let myself be me. But I still totally. have this thing in my brain, like, how do I make this funny? Totally. And, and I don't know if that's the right question to be asking. Right. Other than, Because like, it might just be inherently funny. It I might know, just be funny. I might be getting in the way of it. It always surprises me when I, because I've been, you know, going up, like, just around, like, the comedy and store uh, stuff, like, working out new stuff, because I'm doing a book tour, which is, you know, I have to basically write Are you it. doing stand-up on the book tour? Yes. Cool. I'm doing stand-up and then signing books after, but I have to have, like, a new hour in, like, two weeks. So if you, <laughs> if you could just forward me your Evernote, I'd really Really appreciate you can get it. 20 minutes on yeah. raisins. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. What's the deal uh, with starving yourself? Um, uh, oh yeah, no, I just am like um, going up and, and when I, sometimes you'll do a premise, like a setup and they'll laugh at the setup and you're like, oh, well wait till you hear the punchline. <laughs> I feel like, oh, you didn't like that part. And then the punchline doesn't do as well and you're like, oh, this was funny when I, before I made but a joke see, out of I it. I love that part because I love the discovery process, because yeah. I never know where yeah. the. I mean, you're just mining, yeah. and I never know exactly where the good parts are going to be, or you know, maybe the thing I thought was going to be funny just gets me to riff something in the moment, and that's the funny thing. Yes. And so I love the experimentation process, but I honestly just I never fully know like yeah. what's gonna. Well, my default is like too much. Do too much. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like right. too much icing on the cake, gild the lily. That's like my default. So it's like sometimes, like you just said, it's just getting out of the way of the premise. Like I'm, I'm working on this thing about <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. Like I, I, I don't have the jokes yet, obviously, but there's this new thing where Marilyn Monroe is being like heralded as like a feminist hero. Right. When she was kind of just a fucking slob. <laughs> <laughs> Like, literally all over Instagram, it's like Marilyn Monroe quote, and it's just like, she was the Kim Kardashian of her day. Like, can we stop pretending she was fucking Gloria Steinem? And it's like, the quotes actually just crack me up, too. It's like, it'll be like, you know, always show up two hours late, it, you know, it keeps keep them waiting. Right. You know, right? It's like... You're an asshole. <laughs> like you're not, not a fem- yeah. that's not feminism. Well, that's it's the sort of romanticizing of, you know, like the sort of the defining line for genius is that someone died. Yeah, she's dead. Know? That's yeah. what that's what happened. If she's she dead. if she right. lived a long full life, yeah. I don't think I'm not she, sure. She she's famous for standing over a fucking sewer grate and fucking the president. And fucking she <laughs> the was married so president. slutty the CIA had to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much of a whore she you was. Write, did you write that yeah, down? so no, I have okay, to write all great, that down great. at some point. But it's like I was just like, what, when did Marilyn Monroe become a fucking feminist here? And everyone's laughing, and then I'm like, oh shit! All these, and then the jokes start bombing, you know. So it's just figuring right. out like why something is funny and what everyone is already in someone's subconscious and just activating that. Well, maybe is it is it possible that you um, is it possible that you land on that point instead of lead with it? That's a good point. Just like flip it. I mean, if people around. are laughing at that. You know, what that yeah. does is that it's sort of like rather than trying to work from that place, yeah. if you know that it's going to end up there and you know like, oh, people are going to think that, that that, you know, like why is yeah. she feminist here, yeah. then it might force you to figure out how to write up to that point. And then once you have all those pieces built, you can flip it back. You yeah, know? yeah, like You're yeah. sort of like reverse engineering it. That's interesting. Yeah, it's like just like changing the like going up every night and doing a different iteration of it, and then I, I and I'm a little bit of a paranoid thing now, where like, do you ever think that people are just laughing at you because they've seen your show? Um, even if they are, I don't care. I don't either. You know why? Because I feel like that's you've earned that credit. That's true. You've earned that credit by making people laugh before. 
And yes, it, that's true. It, it, it's it's so it's not like it, it's not like you didn't earn it at yeah. some point. Yeah. And I think it's better to have an audience that's comfortable. I mean, it's great to go into a you know, it'd be great to like I went into a biker bar, not my crowd, and I killed. Yeah. yeah. You know, but it is also nice. You can have a much deeper dialogue with an audience who is familiar with you because yeah. they understand. They, uh, who you are. I just have this paranoia. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. And they know why. It's even funnier because they know your point exactly. of view. The trick is you just, you just have to be careful to know what that is. And then if you just go do 10 minutes at the comedy store for a random assortment of people, yeah. some of that stuff's not going to play because that audience doesn't isn't, isn't as familiar with 50 you. 50 Germans. So you just have to figure out how to, well, how to do Well, it's just so, like, I realized this the other night where I was like, it's, it, you know, a paranoia. And, uh... I have spent so much time trying to convince people that I'm funny and trying to get them to laugh. And now that they're laughing, I'm like, don't, don't patron, no, don't mock me. Yeah. Like, I feel like don't, that wasn't that funny. Like now yeah. I'm talking them out of it. So it's just like this weird trap of like, just let them laugh. You don't have to question. I laughing. love this premise. It's such a great premise though. But it's also the Marilyn Monroe premise. Oh, so stupid. It's, it's also like, yeah. <laughs> it's also like why, you know, like the great feminist anthem is like, I am a woman, hammy roar, and not happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. President. Like, it's just... She it's was not at any feminist rally. Fucking that ever. mess. <laughs> fucking disaster. She's a disaster. She was the. She literally did nude photo shoots. Every character she plays in a movie is, like, borderline... I, I'm not allowed to say any of these words are too PC now, but there, she's like, what's happening? She's always right. lost. Right. She has no idea where she's going. <laughs> she's like, oh, I married you by accident. I had no idea. She's like, and then she's like giving relationship advice. She had three husbands, like right. cheated on all. Like why? I mean, that's my other thing is I feel like I need to just, in general, women need to stop taking advice from other single women. Like I don't talk to single women anymore, like about relationships at all. I'm like, you don't, you've lost. I only talk to married men, actually. So <laughs> really? I have some questions for you. I'm happy to only answer any questions. I'm interested in. But I just see if, you know, someone maybe not necessarily being the person to look to advice if they're wiping pills out of their drawer. I know. Oh, is that our, our, our feminist icon? The one who fucking <laughs> choked on her own puke and the president's semen? Is that, is, <laughs> is this our hero? I feel like we can do better than this. <laughs> Jane Goodall. I don't know. Like, I feel, I mean, come on. Is there somebody else? Is there anyone else anybody out there else? who's devoted their life to G- humanity? Is, I don't yeah. think she's the one. <laughs> The one who just her main strategy in life was to be late on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> you know, she, yeah. and she also had no respect for men. She's like, men, all you have to do is jiggle, and they, they're, they'll, you have them in the palm of your hand. It's like, how stupid. She's like sexist towards men. I don't right. think sexism well, towards not. men is feminism. What? But it's like it's, she's not wrong about that. But you know, <laughs> but you know, the idea that you know, like, fine, she's a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put her on money. Yeah, Let's okay, put her fine. on our money. She should be on the hundred. But it's just like if you walked into a bar and saw some, you know, some lady passed out in the corner, you wouldn't be like, "Hey, can that you... woman is a hero." I need your quotes. <laughs> I'm posting them on Women Crush Wednesday. You are my hero. Posters on my dorm wall. Okay, okay, good quote. You don't fucking know me. Okay, great. That is a great quote. For... <laughs> you don't fucking know me. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you Random are? Random girl named Tammy in Fort Lauderdale. You fucked Brad. I don't know. Brad, but it's a great, it's a great quote. I feel like you really know what you're doing. Very healthy. I just, we're, we're eulogizing like a lot of these losers. (laughs) (laughs) She was a slob and she was a loser. I love this. I mean, dare I say not that funny, you know, it's not particularly talented. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why we decided this trash person. (laughs) 
<laughs> was going to blow up my Instagram feed every Wednesday. This makes me laugh so hard because I'm just like, we're in a town where like, like that it's, I've never heard that take on it before. And it's like, she's on the sides of buildings and then you guys, you're going, Hey everyone, would you just look at the, what was going on? Literally all she did was put on makeup and fuck guys. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why do we think she's some kind of legendary, empowering figure? You never see her in any photos with women. She had no friends. <laughs> Every photo is like women looking at her like gla- like Sophia like Loren. Like, Loren gla- yeah. yeah, like glaring at her. Bitch, she did not have any girlfriends. She was a mess. <laughs> not a fan. <laughs> Like, who stands above a subway grate? She's blowing trash air into her genitals. I mean, right. she was a pig. Do you think part... Do you think... <laughs> Marilyn Monroe's a pig. Do you think... Wow. I said it. Oh, my God. The gloves are off. She's a pig. Take that, Marilyn. And stay down. I just, like... I get... I get like, it's just sort of like... I, I get why these stereotypes exist, you know? Right. It's like when guys are like, oh, women are vapid and shallow. It's like, well, maybe stop posting, you know, Marilyn Monroe quotes. I don't know. Do, do, is it, is, do you think it's fun? Do you think... Uh, would you ever come at it from the other angle where you're like, I think she's such an icon? Because, no, I guess not because you, I, you look, really don't feel I, that I way. I can, I, I guess, I, I don't know. I mean, I could definitely argue both sides just to be obnoxious, but I'm I'm in my 30s and I'm already inherently I obnoxious. Love, I love you <laughs> saying she was the Kardashian. She, was basically she the is. She's, she's, she's Amber Rose. She's basically <laughs> the Amber Rose of the 70s. I don't even know when she was alive. <laughs> she, she, uh, she died in 68. Yeah. Yeah, she she may be, like, toward the 65? end of her career, maybe like the Megan Fox of her day. Katie, Katie, what do we got? It is working. It's really slow. It's working on my... I don't believe it. <laughs> the Nerd, in Nerdist Wi-Fi is it lightning is. fast. Oh, I've been having trouble the whole time I've been here. 350 down, Katie. 350 down. I mean, literally... Uh, I mean, have you seen some Like It Hot? <laughs> 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 I mean, it's a mess. And uh, let's see. Let's see what it is. And there's all this sort of like glorifying of her because she had like mental illness and stuff which is like I'm sorry about that that sounds terrible I know she had a terrible childhood Marilyn I'm sorry but we, you gotta get your shit together 1962 that's when she died oh yeah. that was earlier yeah 1962 oh yeah the seven year itch gentlemen prefer blondes if you opened your crotch to a subway gate you would itch for seven years too <laughs> In your act? No. Fucking great joke. I look. I'm. I'm getting a lot of writing done. You need to listen. You need to listen back to this and just like get okay. all those little notes. Okay. You... <laughs> That's a fantastic joke. I mean, Marilyn Monroe. Imperfection is beauty. Okay, I'm with you. I like that. Madness is genius. Uh... Until you drive into a crowd of people. You know what though? That that is. A, that's what a young person says. She's not very young. I don't know how old she was when she did this. Yeah, that's like glorifying madness. Okay. And it's better to be absolutely ridiculous than absolutely boring. You know, that's how you were in your 20s, so maybe you should be Marilyn Monroe. I mean, I don't know. Marilyn Manson, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But 
just like glorifying a like it's better to be ridiculous than absolutely boring. Well, you're fucking boring. What, what right. you didn't exactly give a, a speech that moved anyone. <laughs> I don't I don't remember your TED talk, <laughs> Marilyn. Like you're known for taking your clothes off, but you're obviously fucking boring. You know when Abraham Lincoln and Marilyn Monroe went all the way down Illinois and had those great debates about democracy. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I don't know. Most of your quotes are about, you know, um, your tits. So I don't know why <laughs> really you. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You, I think, are like known for being pretty boring. I think there's a really great. Uh, I'm gonna work on this. Oh wait, uh, maybe there's like the name of the special is like gentlemen prefer uh, bombs. <laughs> 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 you can't say bombs because like, you're bombing. Because you're bombing. bombing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I do have this theory. I mean, I don't know. It's tricky. Like, like um, I'm dating someone. It's been eight months and he's never seen me do stand up. Oh, and I, boy, the longer he doesn't see it, the more stressful it's going to be. I know. Which, by the way, reminds reminded me of this is like slightly different, but sort of similar. I, I did this pilot and I had Jenna Jameson in it. Mm hmm. And her husband, her Israeli diamond dealer husband and manager, uh-huh. uh, 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 had ne- didn't know who she was. And like three months in, she was like, baby, you should probably Google me. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that's... <laughs> Can you imagine the love of your life and you find out she's Jenna Jameson? I mean, you, that would never come up when you're dating? Do you, do you think he's lying? He uh, said it in Israel, porn stars are not like a thing. I totally buy that. Yeah. <clears throat> totally buy that. But just seems like, maybe she just assumed that he knew? Yes, I, he, she did. And then she was like, I'm an author and or something. I don't know, because I think that's what she goes by. Huh. And I, yeah, I was like, in her house, well, I, I don't know. I don't know. Why yeah. wouldn't he have found out other ways? But then he m- took her out to like meet people, and they were like, you know what that is, right? And he was like, what? My girl? I mean, you'd think My if baby? you came down to the kitchen and your partner was could deep-throat an entire eggplant, <laughs> you'd go, hey, we're... She could eat a sundae in one bite. Didn't you kind of notice? I mean, the writing was... How she just ate Coca-Cola's? <laughs> You, this idea, I love this. I love this Marilyn Monroe bit because uh, I think it's the. It sounds like it's the core of a. You know, because what's great about it is that it. There are so many things thematically you can spin about your own mental illness and your own. Uh, you know. St- Trying to like identity and feminism and all well, these wonderful. I, points. I think that at least in the United States, maybe just in my, you know, immediate. I think there's something happening where you know, obviously, I'm very pro women and feminism. That word now sort of has like a majoritative term, but I think that some people are conflating feminism with like entitlement. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my girlfriends who are very like, I'm, it's, you know, I'm girl power and like I am a girl boss and I am in charge. Like, I'm a girl. Um, they're just assholes. <laughs> and like, why do you, why? feminism doesn't mean that you get to be a dick. Uh, like, I have this one girlfriend who, um, she's very big on like men respecting her. Sure. That's her whole thing. Men must respect me. She's got like really strong boundaries. And she'll, uh, she, she, this one guy who's great, she was like, you know, I don't know if it's going to work. It's like, he just doesn't listen to me and I need a man who like listens to me. And I was just like, but you're not interesting. <laughs> like, I don't know who. I, I, feminism doesn't mean people have to listen to you talk about like celebrities, butts, and like watch you take photos at dinner of yourself, and like you know. So it's like it, it, it's just tricky because I feel like I'm sexist or something if I point that out. Um, but she, you know, I think she's 
marketing it as I'm a feminist, but I'm like, no, you, act, you feminism doesn't mean you get to like talk about your horoscope for 40 minutes and well, people have to listen. But it's like, I also think that part of equality means being judged equally, you know? Sure. So it's like, if you go on stage and get huge laughs by an audience and I go on stage and I don't get those laughs, like I'm not as funny as you. I'm just not. Well, but, but I don't know if that's sexism. I don't, I don't think I can blame anyone except myself because you got huge laughs and then I didn't. Maybe they're inherently sexist, the audience, but... But I think there's so much more that makes a comedy show happen. It's like, maybe another night <laughs> you would get more laughs and I wouldn't because of the crowd. You know, it's like, yeah. maybe the crowd would... You know, yeah. like, there's so many things that make up a specific... It's that's just, true. It's that's just true. not as black and white when you're just talking about... And I think part of the problem with comedy is that people just look at comedy as, like, such a black and white thing. Yeah. But there's so much subtlety and nuance and context and... You know, like who was the crowd? How long was the set? What yeah. did, what happened before that? Like some yeah. crowds are just crappy. Yeah. Some crowds just like this. Some yeah. you know some com- sometimes you're just off. Like yeah. there's no yeah, that's true. It's not. Know, but I think this is actually one of the first um, any things I've done interview whatever where the first question is, isn't it hard to be a woman in comedy? And I'm just sort of like. I don't feel oppressed right now, you know? Like, I just feel like there's this sort of, like, yes, being a comedian is hard for men and women. I I think there's so many women succeeding at it right now. I just feel like it's a little bit, like, 90s to be like, you know, it's so hard and everybody's so sexist. It's like, I don't know. I, I, I feel, you know, I feel, pr- like, I don't. It might be hard to be a man in comedy now. It's like, <laughs> I, I think it's harder for men. I, I don't like, know about that. Yeah, I'm joking. But 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 I just think that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just that, that. I don't know. I don't love that question because I. Um, it just it almost it feels very condescending to me. Yeah. Like, As a woman, it's like. So how are you handling this? I know it must be hard for you. You know, and also you're fucking funny, and and so you know, I, I don't know. It just it, it's just a strange. It's a straight. It's. I feel like the question itself is is inherently condescending, even though I know it's not meant to. And then the answer is actually just fucking ugly. Too ugly, I think, for me, because it's like, oh, you really want to have this conversation about like how it is. The the reasons that make it harder are actually just too incendiary to talk about, which is like the reality is I'm slowly rotting from the inside <laughs> and I can only have kids till a certain amount of time and we are different in that way like no one will talk about how we actually are really biologically different because everyone's gonna be like we're the same we're the same everything's fine you know it's like the reality is more like I feel like I have to get more done earlier in life so that I can have a kid take a year off to have a kid you know um, or because I just don't want to fuck up a kid the way I was fucked up so right. it's like that I think to me is the kind of the elephant in the living room about like yeah I have bi- biological limitations that maybe guys just don't have but also the way that people approach it it's it's so not the same like you know when I see April I'll see on April's feed all the time oh, she'll well, post that's... something and people are you know it's like if people want to heckle yeah. me it, it it's it's a complete it doesn't it doesn't tear at the core of my identity yeah. like but you know it's just it you know and for her and for other comics they it's just so boring and hacky when people yeah. are just like show me your tits you're like fucking really this yeah. seriously I get bummed when people don't ask me to do that <laughs> you got, like you, no one wants everyone to see really them. needed to see the space work <laughs> that went with that because there was like a casual looking at the fingernails like it, there was a really nice space work that went along I just, with that I could make eye contact with you it's no. too vulnerable <laughs> um, but, it, but just that idea of like uh, come on and it's not yeah. even it's not even that she's you know, like so deeply offended. It's just yeah. like fucking really. It's just a bummer. You know, it's just like like that that type of sexism or any other prejudice yeah. or race. It's like it's just fu- it's at the core of it. It's so fucking hacky. You know and what so I'm realizing? Lazy. So fucking lazy. 
you are blowing my mind because I'm just realizing how normalized that's become for me. Like I forgot that that was even something that everyone doesn't go. Like it, it as you were talking, I was like, oh, well, um, you know, I just don't look at my at replies anymore. It's not that they're not there. I just, I have adapted to that feedback and the trolling by just avoiding certain things, right. you know? And um, so I just, I, I obscure them from myself. Uh, doesn't mean they're not all still there, you know? Like I've had to sort of really play defense on that negativity, you know? But it's a bummer because then you miss out on the positives. Too. I have to send you an article that I was reading today. Send it. I have to send you an article. Where was it? Oh, for shit's sake. I'm going to be so bummed if I lost the article. But the article was basically... Oh, here it is. Um, it, uh, why, it's called Why Hard Facts Aren't Enough to Alter Our Beliefs. Send me that. And, and I'm only about halfway through it now. But essentially what it's saying is that, you know, and this, uh, what I'm going to say is not going to be some great relation, but people, uh, they get rewarded for commenting Social media, they get, of course. they get rewarded. Of course, they, their brain rewards them for offering, for sharing their opinion, chiming in, and they are further rewarded. Like as part of that process, they need to get a reaction. It, it, yes, and so we have adapted. We are starting to adapt to get any reaction, no matter what it is. What, you know, it's just like the, like the spoil, like the, like the shitty, the kid who's being shitty and like knocking shit off the table. Yeah, I know what I'm, I'm saying is not a grand relation, but there is actually science behind it, and and that to me helps me cope a lot with like why are people so awful? And it's like, I, I say, oh, it's their their it's their biological directive. And I and I not a plug, but I, I've been you know I talk about a lot of this in the book because learning neurology and reading stuff like that is actually what helped me find sanity and a modicum of serenity. Like a biological basis for this behavior was the only way that I could come to terms with a lot of this stuff. Like um, that's so true. And and I also putting myself you know my therapist who's like such a G. She uh, is like five one. She only wears shirts with wolves airbrushed on them. <laughs> um, she's amazing. And she, whenever I'm sort of complaining about somebody or uh, I'm in an acrimonious relationship with someone at work and I'm like, and then he did this and then he said this and then he called me a bitch and then whatever, she'll just be like, oh, sounds like he's in a lot of pain. <laughs> oh, no. And you're just like, fuck. God damn it. Because anger is just pain and we're all just five years old, right? right? Ultimately walking around in big adult suits. God, it's so strange to me. And I don't understand what the, I don't understand what the, evolutionary benefit is to a creature who constantly has to go back to that infant state like what is the well our, our life expectancy is like supposed to be like 30 right. <laughs> we're living way too long that's the problem we're the fucking dude who won't leave yeah, our, the we were supposed couch. to die at like 15 yeah. yeah just like two more weeks until I yeah. get on my feet we're like uh, synthetically extending our lives way past when we're meant to be so our brains are our, just like yeah, yeah we're, we're, and then this whole concept of like social contract of like adulthood and we're all like supposed to act a certain way like we're all just primal beings trying to be seen and loved and heard and fucked and eat thing you know we're just animals ultimately right and uh like i was reading this thing about um uh 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 humans and monkeys have closer dna than the african elephant and the indian elephant oh that's that's we're just monkeys ultimately you know so we're barely not there's also the mob mentality which is like when you're participating in a mob attack that means that you're safe because you're not on the receiving end of the mob which is like explains so much stuff i'm not gonna like um simplify something as complicated as like the holocaust and all that kind of stuff but that like herd mentality that pylon mentality right and and uh interestingly in terms of uh back to stand-up they say the reason that 
um, this neurologist that I was talking to, Luann Brizendine, she wrote that book, The Female Brain, and uh, she says the reason public speaking is so scary is that from an evolutionary perspective, if you were talking to a group of people, it means you're about to be killed. You were defending yourself against a crowd. Really? Yes, that was about to kill you. You were some. You were exiled from the tribe, and you're against them, and you're begging for forgiveness or explaining yourself. So we all get turned on, like it's, it, it, from an evolutionary standpoint, standing at the precipice of death. Exactly what it is. <laughs> and, that's what stand up is. And coming through. Please it. don't kill me. Please, please don't, don't kill me. Please, please don't like kill me. me. That's what. Me. That's please what stand up like is. Please like me. Oh, crazy, really crazy, and you know, and, and and there's this great article. I think it was in the Atlantic. I sound like such an asshole. Uh, that um, was about how now um, loneliness is more dangerous than smoking because when you live alone, like we now live in these, we're designed to live in tribes, right? But right. we're all living in these little pods alone on our, you know. And that it used to be when you were ice, when you lived alone, that means you were exiled or isolated from the tribe, and you had no protection. And you would most likely die. Sure, because this is before alarm systems and sure. locks on doors and stuff like that. So it's like your brain, your amygdala starts getting active. And you start you uh, stop producing serotonin and stuff, and you basically get depressed. Well, and and also I think much in the same way that you sh- that you shouldn't inbreed because you need you need to mix genes. Yeah, you need to mix emotional genes with other people because how many you know when you when we're so isolated and we're just in our own thoughts and in our own worlds and we live in um, uh, this, this kind of uh, th- th- where. where Mathematically, the internet's going to give you exactly what you believe already. Always, and you never have to travel outside your own bubble. You knock, you're not going to evolve. You're just going to get deeper and deeper and you're deeper exactly into right. this kind of mad cul-de-sac. I need to. My guy just told me that he can change this, but I was like going on Huffington Post, and I was like, "Look at Huffington Post covering all these rescue dog stories." <laughs> 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 like, That's all they write about anymore. I mean, it turns it's like, out it's like they read my mind. Oh my! And I God. literally am like, we are at war with North Korea, and the main story is about this dog that got pulled out of a river. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm realizing they're just catering to my interests because there's all these algorithms basically guessing. There was that amazing article about how um, Amazon knew a girl was pregnant before she knew she was pregnant because you Google like. Yeah, oh, it's an amazing article. I'll send it to you. So basically, this teenage girl was Googling, um, I feel sick when I wake up in the morning. And then she Googled, like, I have lower back pain. Late period. Literally, yeah. late period. And then she, um, uh, I think, I want to say that her dad sued Amazon because she was getting advertisements for diapers. And he was like, my daughter's 15. What are you doing? You know, it was like right. something. Because they just know everything about you all the time. Right. right? So, um, so, yeah. So that's left to my own devices I'm just going to look at videos of dogs all day long and not learn anything new yeah so it's like so these the, the algorithms are essentially helping us not evolve in any way 100%. and also solidify our core beliefs because we need to yep. see these things to support the things we already believe and it is and the, part of this article is also it's trying to explain like look if you want to break someone out of a core belief even if you have hard evidence yep. and they don't, they will go, that's just not, you made that they up. They will actually, I think, believe their belief more strongly. Yes. Yeah. To, to protect their own belief system. The ego. Um, that, uh, you know, I think that is so destructive and the, the long-term effects of that are kind of terrifying. Like, yeah. I'm, I almost... <laughs> you mean <laughs> our election? I mean, yeah, I mean our, come on. Do you really want to... Long-term look, effects. You, have, you mean right now? <laughs> if you want to use, like, a real world. Yeah, like, if, for example... You know, fine. <laughs> maybe, like, ahead. right now. I mean... <laughs> Every morning... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is going to get bad at some point. <laughs> Something terrible might happen. <laughs> you know, I used to turn my phone off at night, and last night, this is 100% true, I left my phone on because I was like, 
Well, if we get hit, if we get attacked by our by North Korea, I'm I'm gonna need my phone to alert me that there are missiles coming. So in. this is this yeah. is what it's come to. This is what it's come to. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just it's it's too much. <laughs> Sorry. So the book. Off. So anyway, we're fine. No, by the way, and also, uh, oh, and congratulations on uh, show running Roseanne's show. Oh gosh, thank you. I'm doing it with the very great Bruce Helford, who yeah, ran the Bruce. original. Yeah, yeah. And he, did he do Drew Carey? Did he Bruce, did Drew yeah. Carey. Mm-hmm. He yeah. did. Nice Family guy. ties, the nicest, super smart. It's a great room. Uh, Norm Macdonald is in there. Uh, Wanda Sykes is in there. Oh yeah, Morgan Murphy. It's a good group. What an incredible! It's I, I did three months writing on it, and then um, now I'm going to go to this book tour. So I'm taking like a month off, and then I'll be back in November for a shooting. That's fantastic. So when weird. does when does that come back? It's gonna we shoot in the next couple months, and then I think it's gonna come on in February. Okay. On AB, and on and network television, ABC. Fantastic. I know it was like we were like we really wanted to do this thing where we sort of like took a microscope to the people that voted for Trump and put because you know we don't there's not a lot of working class people on television which is crazy right because that's such a big part of our country and it's sort of sometimes television is a lot of like Harvard Lampoon guys just <laughs> doing it's just like doing Hemingway jokes right. uh, like inside jokes that are just kind you know and uh, and, do- and then kind of going isn't it going to be funny when the audience doesn't get this? <laughs> it's going to be Isn't it awesome. so funny how stupid people are? Like yeah. that's that it comes from that place. Yeah, let's do the coconut frozen We're yogurt so joke. We're so clever, you guys. <laughs> it's just like a We're so it's clever. It's just like our circle jerk of yeah. our television. I'm doing the space work of jerking off the person um, next to me. He's jerking off the biggest dick I've ever not seen. <laughs> <laughs> It's big but very skinny. <laughs> yeah, it's long right. and, mm-hmm. and tiny. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Asparagus it's, it's dick. Like, it's like it's like a pipeline. I'm sorry. It's like yeah. A little, very... I like that you don't want it near you. No, no. Yeah. It's back over here. I'm not even looking at it. I'm on my phone with my other hand, just I'm looking upset. up news stories. There's also like a believe. stuffed turkey under him. Oh yeah. <laughs> that so it's just kind of a, a lot to process. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I am, um, and then I'm going to take some time off. I don't know if you're doing that. I'm gonna, I'm going to go to try your face just I'm you just doing wins. it too you're literally like time off <laughs> well, do I still exist <laughs> if I'm not, that's my thing if I'm not like somehow being recorded do I exist at all I'm a shark I keep moving I fucking hate when people go I'm like a shark I gotta keep moving what is Fuck this you. 70s yeah I know I like who says that just read the art of war ah oh good <laughs> that's upsetting I'm a war shark um <laughs> I am yeah I'm trying to you know, and after all the 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 journeys I went on, which I outlined in this thing, I'm trying to kind of uh, make sure that I'm okay with myself without uh, constant attention. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I have some some stuff. To, I, I I did I type up my ear. That my ear got bitten off. I knew that your ear got bitten <laughs> off by a dog, and that your ear. But it yeah. it doesn't. You can't. I mean, ears are weird anyway. So. If you it, just it, a tiny little piece, it's right like there. you know those at the Renaissance Festival when you put your hand in wax yeah. a hundred times. It's yeah. like that. It just looks like melting candle. So you got in a dog's face, and the dog just decided, "I'm not cool with this." You know, I don't. I know you love dogs. I do. I, I rescue dogs. Uh, big deal. But um, uh, and I had rescued this dog who had been taken from his mother too young, and he had sort of spatial issues, and he had been socialized, and he was like in a crate for eight months, and he wasn't neutered. There's a litany of reasons this happened. But who rescued who? But who rescued who? <laughs> put that on. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in the closet with my rosé all day. Shirt. I just can I just I just wanted yes. just I don't want to interrupt the story, but just when you're making the who rescued who bumper sticker. <laughs> 
please make it who rescued whom? Can we whom? please just make it who rescued yes, whom? Yes, yes. No, okay. But not anyway. whom rescued whom. No. Who rescued, who rescued whom? whom? I believe that's correct grammar. I'm sure I'll be corrected. But anyway, uh, so this I dog. Am, I, by the way, I realized when I wrote my book that I'm legitimately illiterate. Uh, if if you get nothing from this podcast, you get to walk away with the inspirational message that uh, people who can't read can write books. So I just so back to the story that uh, essentially highlighted a lot of your relationships in your twenties. In my twenties, you... essentially that became the metaphor for my love addiction and what made me realize, like, oh, because it's not love addiction is not about like being in a, re- a lot of relationships or whatever. It's about you know not about how many you're in. It's about what happens when you're in them, right? right. Like a sense of urgency and. Uh, rationalizing and minimizing negative behaviors and ignoring red flags and that sort of thing and that's what I did with this dog like I just had magical thinking around it I let him in my bed I, I, I'm very like alpha about training dogs so I do all these things to make sure that they know I'm the alpha and I didn't do any of them with this dog and their mouth is their hands so we were kind of playing and I pushed him off me and he just sort of like came at and my ear just it came off my head <laughs> no yeah came off my head and it was weird because it's like I mean I'm sure have you ever had like a intense injury I mean, I've broken a collarbone, and I've you know, Did but you not feel like pain right away. N- no, no, there's like a weird shock. Shock, and and but my but the conscious part, my the, the, my logical brain goes, this is gonna hurt in it's a like- second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, this is going to be bad. Yeah. So are you, is it, you have to pick it up off the ground? It's hanging. It is hanging. And there's blood everywhere, clearly. There's, well, it's interesting because I, as soon as it happened, I think our bodies are amazing. I could instantly like do parkour. Sure. Like I just like, I was holding the side of my head and I just like jumped up and I walked in the mirror and I, my brain, I guess I was just in so much denial or shock or something. I was like, my first thought was, this is so weird. I don't remember putting on earrings today. Sure. That was it. And then I saw, I get ears bleed. There was just such a shocking amount of blood. And I was like, oh, I need to, you know, find an emergency room. I started Googling, like, the calmest I've ever been. I mean, I am such an anxious person when I am But But when you actually need to be focused, you can focus. That's when I'm in a meditative state of nirvana. And then I got in the car, drove myself halfway to the, I'm a terrible driver. I was... Excellent. It was like fast and furious. Like I was like, like I was just like weaving in and out of people. And then when I finally was had help, that's when I felt the pain. But I felt it was like almost orgasmic. I actually watched. Who was the girl who got her arm bitten off by a shark? Bethany something. The surfer. The surfer. Right. She said the same thing. When her arm was bitten off, she heard the sound, <gasps> but it felt like bliss, like orgasmic, because your body sends so many endorphins and dopamine to the area. To try to protect. So that you keep fighting. Right. If you felt the pain, you would just drown. Right. You know? So it was just like such an amazing thing. But then like all these crazy things happened at Cedars, and I was, um, uh, to anesthetize the ear is actually more painful than just doing it without anesthesia, because you have to put um, something about cartilage, you have to put needles like in every part of the oh laceration. So you're like, it's actually better just not to anesthetize this thing. And the guy's behind me and he's like sewing up my ear. And I was like, okay, can we just do a system where like you tell me like on three or after three, like on one, two, three, just so I can be prepared. And he just kept doing it without telling me. And I was like, dude, I really need, I'm freaking out. And it's like you have someone behind you and your primal brain is just like. It, and your ears hanging off. And your, your head. ears hang, and you're like in fight or flight mode. And like, and so then it, the entire time, I, it turns out the only thing that is worse than having my ear bitten off uh, is, like, me not feeling heard. Right. <laughs> like, I literally, it's like Valerie Cherish in the comeback. I was like, I just need to know I'm being heard. <laughs> and he wasn't paying any attention to me. And it was, like, this really emotionally jarring, like, scarring experience. And then I'm crying because I'm like, he's not respecting me and he's not listening to me. And the next day, my friend Dory calls the surgeon to tell him, like, ask, you know, when can she take the stitches out or when can she come back? And the nurse is like, oh, actually, he can't talk on the phone. He's deaf. What? <laughs> And I was like, could someone have told me? Did, my, 
Like, what is this dog and pony show? Yeah, it was like, it was just ridiculous. It was just a ridiculous situation. Oh, and this is another thing. I think this is an only in LA moment. He looked at my ear and he's like, oh, we need to get a plastic surgeon in your ASAP. Uh, so do you have one that you prefer? <laughs> <laughs> I was like... Thank you. Got I got a whole uh, yeah, contact group. Yeah, like I don't like. Is that just an LA just thing? thing? I yeah, guess it's just a thing. Thank it's you. Just a thing I guess that people that's have. a compliment. But everything's okay now. You're, everything's you're... fine. Yeah, I'm. So, well, but I've had to. It the, when the nerves grow back, that's when it actually hurts the most. So it's hurting the most actually now, and I can't sleep on it. So I'm just going to take some time off to do another surgery, and then like. You know, try to not get a Percocet addiction. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I know. Of it's like god. Jesus. I know. It hurts so bad. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, because they have to like cartilage is just a bitch, and you only have four hours before it dies. So that was a whole thing, and I almost missed it. And oh, it was just so funny. And then I went back to another surgeon. And he he looked at it. and He's like, oh. It took. I didn't think it was going to take. Oh, Jesus. I was well, like, uh, good. you didn't think it was going to take? We're not going to tell you that. Like, what? Yeah, so I'm just trying to, like, take care of it and not mess it up. Because if you screw it up and it, it'll get worse and di- your cartilage dies. <laughs> well, personally, you can't see it. Look, I have a hook. This is my new hook. But it's fucking cool. It's like a little elfin thing. It is really cool, though. Thank you. I mean, how many people can say that, you know, they had their ear bitten off by it? Oscar De La Hoya. But. And me. <laughs> That's it, I think. <laughs> no, I it was a Holyfield, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know anything Holyfield. about sports. <laughs> I don't either. But for some reason, I knew that. Yeah, because everybody does. I don't know why. That I honestly was, don't know why. That was shameful of me. So your book, uh, uh-huh. I'm Fine and Other Lies, yep. is available. It's available. Wherever books are sold. Uh, wherever fine stores. Did you do the audio version? Hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. I had two emotional meltdowns. Oh, no. Yes. It was just, it was, I was like stuttering. I, I like, I, I just couldn't do it. I was getting like lockjaw. It was awful. Oh, my God. Yeah. But it, you did it. It took me like seven days to do it. Yes, I did it. I cried in it. I was like, ugh, it, was a, it was a nightmare. But yes, I got through it. What a great therapy thing, though. It was kind of therapeutic. But I think something that I was going to say about stand up. Like, and you performing is when you're reading the audiobook and it's locked, it's so frustrating. Oh, right. Because you're just like, oh, I have all these new jokes and I want to change all oh, this yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, you want to work. Just, I'm like, can we change this? They're like, no. Like, I kept trying to change it and change it. And there's a certain point where you just have to commit to it, which is just kind of hard. Yeah. I would have just changed it. Yeah, I Like, was, I, I, I would have just been like, eh, I don't give a shit. I was changing things up to the wire and they got to the point <laughs> to where they were just like, you're a nightmare. Um, but yes, I did all that and I'm ter- I'm really scared. I mean, I'm scared. It's like publishing a diary or something, you know? Yes, and I understand that and I understand the, you know, the emotional vulnerability but what I think is really important to understand is that it legitimately will help, like, you will get emails from people who say, I, I thought I, and that's, that's why I love to talk about dysfunction on this podcast and, and mental illness and stuff and addiction because... Anything that we can do to normalize it yeah. so people don't feel so like aliens. So they just feel like, oh, okay, well, this is just a thing and I can deal with it and get it and, and work on it and well, it's okay. Addiction tells us we're the only ones right. that, that have it, right. right? And it's a disease that tells us we don't have a disease and all that stuff. So it's like, I mean, I wrote an article for Lena Dunham's site, that Lenny Letter thing on my struggle with codependence. And part of the reason I didn't talk about it for so long is because I was like, well, it's not like I'm passed out in a gutter. Like I was just mi- part of the disease is minimizing it and being right. like, oh, I'm being dramatic or I'm being crazy or whatever. And I talked about it and I had people coming up to me in airports like with tears in their eyes. Like, thank you. I had no idea this was something it I it really does. It really does help people, or at least go. Oh, this sounds familiar to me. Yeah. Maybe I'm gonna. Maybe it's okay to go get help. Maybe it's all right to get help and try to try to get better. And there is help that's free. Well, and and you have and because you get so used to your own thing that if you've never really taken that step before, you just think, 
oh, this chaos is just this just my life. This yes. is normal. Yes. It's normal to you know I have to, I have a series of habits and patterns that I, that I use to cope with the day. And, you know, realizing that you can unravel that if you want to and work on it. And that so it just doesn't really and like occur to some people. And, like, rewrite your story. Yeah. Sure. It doesn't occur. It's like you can go to the gym and change your body. But, like, I didn't realize I could, like, change my brain and the, right. my inner monologue and the way I think and all that. And I was, like, reading all these, like, self-help books. And I was like, why are these so fucking boring? Like, what if someone made a funny one that had right. all the same information and, like, science stuff and all the stuff that we're talking about? And it actually was, like, a joy to read. It's like, I can't cure my depression with a book that's fucking depressing. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, God. Like, I a book about mental illness being a bummer is just so anathema to the whole point of it. Right, right, and right. I was like, let me just write the book that I wish had been available to me when I was 20. Do you have another special coming up soon? I am going to do it next year, I think. I'm, 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 I, I, I took a break. And take another one if you need to. There's this thing where it's like, do a special every year thing. And no, 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 It's no, like, no. I want to make it good and just wait. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm on like the three-year plan. Good, that's what you should... That's a fine plan. Maybe even four. No, I think it was four years. And that's great, because yeah. it just, for me anyway, it's like the pressure of... Ugh. I can't turn it... If I only did stand-up, if you yeah. only did stand-up, yeah. maybe... But I still think two years is the min. The min. And because it's also, it's like, what is the rush? I mean, it's really just, for me, it's part of my, like, co- a codependent relapse. We're like, well, she's doing this thing, and he's doing this thing, and he's doing a special now, and I should be doing the it. The word is special, as in it. Nailed it's it. It's not special if you do They're it every not special anymore. Yeah. I turned on someone's comedy special the other day, and they were wearing shorts. <laughs> I was like, what happened to class? It was unbelievable. And then the, the audience. I'm going to do a casual. I'm recording my casual. Cash. I'm recording <laughs> my like, casual this so week. So the comic was in shorts, and then they turn around to the audience, and they're all in jerseys and tank tops. I was like, this is disgusting. Let's just fucking class it up. And I think for me, I, I, I want to make sure, because my workaholism is so intense of like myself esteem having a linear relationship with what I make I just wanted to be able to like go without it and see if I could be okay with myself and then do it for the right reasons well I'm so uh, excited for you and proud for you Mm. and uh, and you know I just adore you you're as a human I just adore you as a human being and I'm so glad that we're friends and uh, and and I love that we just text each other dumb shit every once in a while. And you're like, and this is getting so um, corny, but like you are such a big inspiration to me because you are in such an amazing relationship. I didn't realize, I, I, I think I justified for a long time, like, oh, I can't be in a healthy romantic relationship because comics aren't just, I've never seen that before. <laughs> and I see you and Lydia and I'm just like, I remember us like a couple years ago, like on tour, like talking about it. And I'm being like, oh yeah, see, no no one's, this is normal. We just get to be in shitty relationships. And then you like found this amazing person and have this amazing thing. And I'm like, oh, I I really don't have any excuses anymore. Well, it it took some adjustment from yeah. you know to to be okay with the and she adores you and I'm like, how's he coping with that? <laughs> well, it is sort of weird when so, I mean, look, I don't know, not to get too granular on it, but you know, when someone's just being in the situation where she's really cool and you know, and when you have issues where you're like, well, I don't deserve good thing you know like I gotta break everything when's that sh- the shoe gonna drop yeah, exactly. let me fuck this up before it exactly you know, you know like you know she wakes up in the morning she's like I love you so much and I'm like you're not feeling well should we get you to a doctor are you a Scientologist you know? yeah. what's happening <laughs> you're trying to sign me up for something uh, this is all ruse this is fishy. I it. <laughs> yeah I mean that Dan breakfast McLean's at the celebrity center <laughs> I knew it oh wait does that mean I'm a celebrity oh shit um, <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm gonna get the cool oh, part oh thank god oh thank god oh okay great I know that's what happened to me when I found out I was on the star tour line I was so excited. Then I was like, no, this is dangerous. You <laughs> narcissist. But yeah, and I was just like, okay, like this is possible for me. Yeah. You know, and I don't have to isolate because of this false, what we're just talking about, this false sort of st- 
story that like comedians don't get to have healthy relationships. Right. You know. Yeah, that's all. That's all a thing that we tell ourselves because it's easier to just say that and write yeah. it off than actually. And it seems like you work really hard to be happy and to like milk every moment of your life in an amazing way. Well, for me, it, happiness. I mean, I'm not saying this is for everybody, but happiness really is a choice that you have to yeah. because it's so easy. It's so lazy just to be like, everything sucks and I yes. fucking suck and this is what I – and it's really, you know and, – and even when you're succeeding and this is obviously a, you know, something – this is a very privileged point of view. But when you're, a se- when you're succeeding, you kind of can get harder on yourself because you're like, well, I'm going to fuck this up or I don't deserve this or I'm, I'm – boy, everyone's going to find out I'm a piece of shit. You know, yeah. it's like all these horrible things that – this horrible internal narrative that all goes back to when you're a kid. Yeah. Um, then, uh, you know, like that's an interesting – thing to navigate to uh that it you know that you you really just need to remember like hey you know it's it's okay you're okay well we were talking about this herd mentality i think being around comics most comics a lot of them are very negative and to fit in it's like well i should be negative too and being friends with you and knowing you has been such a relief because it's not it's like you're so positive and i don't have to be like everything sucks and everything you know in order to have a conversation with you you know it's like we when we were touring one time there's 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 a couple comics that i think i annoy them because I'm trying to get better, right? When you get healthy, the sick get angry. And it's like, I'm like, I guess I just have to risk not being liked by this person because I'm not going to get sucked into their negativity trap. You know, sure. they perceive it as a rejection um, when, you know, they're complaining about stuff. But it's just so nice to have a, a comedian who's committed to edification and positivity because I'd, it's otherwise really, I'd be stuck in that. Yeah, it's really important. And I guess, you know, if... If pursuing happiness and trying to be healthy means that I'm going to be less funny, then yeah. I guess I'm just going to be less funny. Yeah. Like I would rather, at this point in my life, I would, ra- I would rather be happy and not like happy he's and so, bombing. He's so fucking funny, <laughs> and boy, but uh, not doing great backstage. Yeah. You know, like I don't need that. I don't. I just don't want that. Yeah, so I want to like, be a better partner to my wife. I want to be a good person. You know, there's a certain point. There was a big part of my growth where I was like, I I'm going to risk not. Being in with the cool crowd, right, for my own sanity and mental health. Yeah, like I just want everyone to accept me and love me at the expense of my own. The cool crowd's not happy anyway. Yeah, oh, they're miserable. They're not, they're not cool. Like negativity is not cool. <laughs> it's not cool. Like, but it's you also prove that. Like being positive can be cool. What is this '90s thing of like it's just a choice? The guy, the, the guys that make F's are the cool kids. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well. Uh, I adore you. You're please, please Thank come you. back and uh, and safe travels. And I hope to uh, hope to see you after you you go on your. Sabbatical. And your tour is coming up too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm doing. I'm doing some shows, but it's yeah. not really like a. I'm just going out back and forth. Yeah, just trying to trying to remember how to get on stage and say things at people. All right, please write a book about your marriage. I will read it. <laughs> Lydia it. should write it. She's yeah, the she should. One. Uh, yeah, agreed. I'm the healthier one, by the way. Yeah, I would. I would. Uh, I would do the introduction. <laughs> yeah, totally. So fully support. <laughs> Cosine. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. All right, enjoy your burrito, everyone. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. I'm Shimol Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest. And they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. 
Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.